there are far fewer people who are saying, oh, I don't know data, like I have my team who does it. Everyone's expected to have an analytics mind now. Welcome to Unlocking Big Data, a series about getting trusted data to healthcare decision makers, sponsored by Arcadia and presented by HIMSS. HIMSS Market Insights conducted research on data analytics platforms in December 2022 to early January 2023. 55 executives, IT and technology, and clinician leaders participated in the research. Nearly 40% work in multi-hospital systems, with nearly a quarter each working for IDNs, or standalone hospitals and specialty hospitals. Throughout the series, we'll present key data points from the research, but focus on why these data points are important and how you can leverage these findings to support your healthcare organization's data initiatives. In our first episode, we'll look at data analytics platforms and integrated tools. I'm joined by Andrew Sorensen, Regional Vice President, Data and Digital Product Strategy and Governance at Centene Corp., and Michael Mucci, CEO of Arcadia, who will help us examine key takeaways from the research. Welcome, Andrew and Michael. Thanks for having us today. Thanks for being here. So according to HIMSS Market Insights Research, healthcare organization success relies on data access and quality data. 93% of respondents agree that access to quality data across all platforms and workflows is critical to an organization's performance. As a result, Many of the respondents' healthcare organizations have integrated or plan to integrate various tools and apps with their data analytics platforms. Specifically, within the next 12 months, communications platform that connects hospitals with outside care teams and pop health management are the two technologies that organizations have plans to implement most often, coming in at 27 and 25% respectively. Clinician decision support tools have either already been integrated with data analytics platform or have plans to be within 12 months for 94% of larger organizations, that's with 15,000 plus employees. 38% of organizations with 7,500 plus employees are more likely to have plans to implement a decision-making tool for preferred provider networks within the next 12 months. Those in a C-suite role, 30%, are more likely to have plans to implement artificial intelligence and machine learning within the next 12 months. That's a lot of data. So um, before we get going, I just want to remind our listeners that this podcast is a continuation of a HIMSS TV episode we recently recorded. So let's dive into all of that data. Patient safety monitoring, standardizing templates for medical conditions, CDS tools, and de- combining data for patients throughout the care cycle have already been implemented with many of the survey respondents. Pop health management and communications platforms that connect hospitals with outside care teams are the top two apps and technologies that will be implemented in the next 12 months. What is driving the focus on those two? Andrew? I would say there's a a number of key drivers of that. I think one of them in particular is the advancement of the adoption of value-based care. As more organizations are um, implementing value-based care contracts and arrangements, it becomes more and more important to be able to unlock the data across different organizations, which has historically been a challenge um, for healthcare companies. I think value-based care provides some of the incentives needed and um, really provides enough of a business case for organizations now to invest in those types of capabilities. And I think a lot of companies are seeing... um, how much value-based care is a, a team sport 
and not just what uh, one would have thought of as your historical team. You need to be able to pass data back and forth among organization. I think that's right. I think the other kind of tailwind that's driving that the survey responses is coming out of the pandemic, we've seen an increased fragmentation of care and a rise of healthcare consumerism. You look at the acquisition of One Medical by Amazon as an example. When you go to Amazon.com now, the first tab at the top of the page is not groceries, it's not books, it's not technology, it's healthcare. And we are making healthcare even more hyper-local than it was. And we've shown healthcare consumers that they can consume healthcare at a convenient point of access for them, not necessarily driving across town to the academic medical center or even going to a strip mall to go to a, a local community clinic or, or private practice, you can get care in your own home. It's excellent because you have, you've democratized access to care in many ways, and we're starting to chip away at this access problem we have as a country, but we're creating massive silos of data. And it's imperative for mid-sized healthcare organizations and above, and even, even small healthcare organizations to think about an integrated data strategy to create a longitudinal record because you, you mentioned earlier that patient safety and solutions were already implemented, but those are only as good as the data piping in. And so I think you see a lot of organizations saying, how do we, how do we focus on getting as much of that data from different settings of care, different modalities of care into a singular platform so we can make better informed decisions around care management, case management, patient management, population management? It, it does seem like data silos are a challenge, you know, in every industry and in every um, area. It, is that the, the main one here as well? I think, yes. I think healthcare has got a unique data silo challenge. There was a statistic recently that I saw that the growth rate of data creation in healthcare is around 36% annualized, and the growth rate of data sets in uh, you know, all other industries combined is around 27%. So we're creating more data. It's growing faster. And healthcare data is complicated. A lot of folks will say, well, gee, if the financial sector can figure out data, why can't healthcare? And it's because we deal with the physiology of a person. It's not just debits and credits. And I think that it's the combination or the confluence of both silos of data and the complexity of data that is leading towards a lot of investment in this field, as well as the promise of big data and AI and ML technology to help drive efficiency across healthcare delivery, especially given the financial pressures on the U.S. healthcare system today. Let's look at some of those other technologies, because according to the research, Epic shops are more likely to have implemented uh, AI and machine learning. Why is that? If your healthcare organization isn't an Epic user, what do you need to do to implement AI and ML and, and get the most out of those technologies? I think the answer probably depends on the, the size of your organization. If you're a really large healthcare organization, the right first step would be to hire experienced leaders who know how to work with those types of technologies, and maybe more importantly, how to get um, machine learning models into the hands of people at the right time. Um, by contrast, smaller organizations, I think, are, are more likely to find benefit in finding a partner who can help them make those investments so that the smaller organizations can leverage the scale of their vendors. Um, it may be hard for them to, to build up an entire machine learning team, let alone to buy all of the technologies that they would need in-house in order to implement those types of approaches. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that, Andrew. I think in addition, there's a change management factor that needs to be considered. When you think about the type of organization that has implemented Epic, they have committed and sold out to organization-wide change management where they have gone through probably the largest core system replacement that system will, will or should ever do. And because of that, you have muscle memory around that. I like to think of AI solutions like 
an elliptical that I have in my bedroom that's now a clothes hanger. Like it doesn't do anything for me unless you use it. And that's a lot of the attitude around AI. There's a lot of flash in the pan type technologies that are available. But if you don't build systems around those technologies, they become less effective. And I think that there's certainly data in the survey response that would indicate that it's the correlation to Epic users. But I think if we dug deeper, it's probably a maturity around change management and systems level thinking. Actually, I, I think the change management topic can't be overstated. Mm -hmm. In my experience, the easiest part is actually building the predictive models, R really full stop. Um, being able to predict something is far easier than finding a way to get that prediction into the hands of people who need it and to work with them in order to change the way that they work. And so um, I think sometimes you see, to Michael's point, larger organizations have teams that can help with implementation, adoption, and support right. and help with formal change management, which I think is, is the you know, bigger lift when it comes to AI and ML. Well, talking about things that you know, change the way we work, uh, let's talk about the pandemic and how that has impacted decision-making around data analytics platforms. Um, what do you see either from a business and operational or clinical standpoint? I think it's a great question. One of the largest observations I've seen as it relates to investments in data platforms and infrastructure and clinical programming coming out of the pandemic is a renewed focus on treating the whole person. So not just treating a condition or an acute event, but addressing non-care needs, specifically social determinants needs. One of the things that I think became very apparent coming out of the pandemic was the impact that an individual's psychosocial status had on their ability to manage their care, either self-management or as part of a care program. And we're seeing a lot more investment in data sets, technologies, and insights to help health systems and health plans understand what are the factors that influence an individual's ability to self-manage. As an example, if you're unhoused or you have food insecurity, it's, it's really hard to focus on med adherence or condition management when you're worried about where the next meal comes from or where you may sleep. And so we've seen a, a real large inflow of thinking and process, not just around data and platforms, but around social services on how to address those needs holistically. In hindsight, uh, and it's kind of nice to have a little bit of hindsight now that we've got distance from the pandemic. Right. One of the real changes that I saw was a huge, huge increase in demand for data and analytics. It, it was a time where organizations were pouring over um, the analysis that was being done in their organizations to make really critical decisions. And um, I feel like that really catalyzed an increase in the data savvy and data literacy that happened or existed in organizations. And as a result, actually, I think it's driven greater demand for analytics technologies um, and for the people that know how to execute those analyses. So it, it's similar to the change management point that we had earlier. I think there were times where it felt like uh, there was a little bit of resistance to changing the way that people worked in order to integrate data. Um, in some ways, the pandemic dislodged so many aspects of our lives. And I think that one of those um, resulted in an increased openness to change the way that people work and uh, to change the way that they integrated data into their decision making. And so uh, I think that that's one of the silver linings. I, I think that we're better as an industry because of the way that we now use data differently than we did before the pandemic. Yeah, I, I really agree with that. I, you said something that I think is so fascinating. We've worked together for a long time and we've joked often about people who will come into a meeting and say, oh, I'm not very tech savvy. And 
you hear that less and less because that's not something to be proud of anymore. It's it, it's a core competency. You have to be able to use a computer and a phone to be able to get your job done. But I've observed, I didn't think about this until you just said that, that there are far fewer people who are saying, oh, I don't know data. Like I have my team who does it. Everyone's expected to have an analytics mind now and be able to analyze something put in front of them. And I think the pandemic really forced a lot more data-driven decision-making. That's all we have time for today. I'd like to thank our guests, Andrew Sorensen and Michael Mucci, for their perspectives. And be sure to check out the other episodes of this podcast series as well. For Hims, this is Michael Krieger. <laughs>